I will make sure to mess up several times just to expand this just a little. Thanks for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Lizzie Sawyer. And me, Sam Reiner. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we evade reality and go into detail about a new book. We're going to be covering it from beginning to end. So remember, there will be spoilers. Today we're going to Gorston Hall in the English countryside. Published in December 19th, 1938, Agatha Christie tackles one of mystery's favorite tropes, the evil elderly relative who plans to change his will and the murder that prevents him from doing so. Among the many twists and turns, Hercule Poirot must distinguish who done it and stop them before they have the opportunity to do it again. Funnily enough, this is the same background as the book before on episode 13. We got this book from the same list of, hey, these are great Christmas books to read. This is a wonderful Christmas book. I don't know what you're talking about. The best. I thought skipping Christmas put me in a Christmas mood. No. Nothing like this. Nothing like a murder to get you into the Christmas mood. Dealing with tiring relatives that you're forced to be with. Just kill them. It's clearly the solution. But yeah, it was a fun, random one that really didn't seem to match anything else. But I mean, who's going to pass up the chance to read Agatha Christie? No one. So there's not much of a cover. It's... Agatha Christie's name, the title of the book. Oh, apparently it was previously published as Murder for Christmas and Holiday for Murder. So this is the third title it's had. But I want to say it's either ice or snow. And then there's bloody footprints walking across. And that's basically it. When I first saw it, I thought that the body was going to be under like an ice bed. There was going to be a lake and they were going to find a body under the ice. Because looking at this, I thought it was ice. But now that I look at it closer, it could be snow. The picture that I have is not that picture. The picture that I have says Agatha Christie in blocky yellow letters. And then says Hercule Poirot's Christmas in green blocky letters with a piece of holly around Christmas and Poirot and a little red blue balloon floating up off to the side. See, that actually makes sense. Yeah, that's what I've got. <laughs> now that we've read the book, that makes sense. I don't know. I'm a minimalist, so I really like the cover of this, but like I said, it's not much to go off of. So what did you think from your cover? It's going to be an Agatha Christie book, which means there's going to be murder, and it's got my favorite detective in it at the moment, purely because I haven't read her other detective series yet, and that's about all I got from the cover. The balloon was kind of confusing. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense till near the end. All right. Okay, balloon. Got it. It's one of those things that's a spoiler, but you don't realize it's a spoiler. Yes. I remember, this is way off topic, but I watched one of those four beginners for Persona 5, and at a random point, she just throws out, a catch, she likes pancakes. I guess things to remember. And I was like, that was weird. And it wasn't until I got to the very end of the game, I was like, holy crap, that was a huge spoiler. How did she get away with that? A catch, she likes pancakes. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty great. But yeah, it's one of those, you expect murder, you expect twists and turns, you expect a popular trope to be twisted in a fun way as she tends to like to do. 
But yeah, I was not disappointed. Even going in, this is a really, really played out one. And not too long ago, there was a movie with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston making fun of this trope. And it was honestly one of the funniest movies. But it's one of those things that's played to death. It comes up in drama and it comes up in mystery. It comes up so much you can find it on one of those daytime soap operas. The really, really cheap ones. Definitely, if she was going to put a twist on it, although back then it may not have been nearly as played out as it is now, but if you're going to put a twist on something, this is a good one to twist. Yes. Now we join Steven as he first meets the enchanting Pilar. Pilar was a hoot. I liked Pilar. She was intense and kind of frightening, but in a way she got away with, she pulled some stuff there. You know you were in for a trip when she begins the story of, yeah, I got really annoyed by my driver. It's like, oh, was he a bad driver? No, a bomb went off and killed him and I was late. It's like, no, he died and I was stranded. Oh! Uh, all right. I'm so, so sorry about that. Yeah. The rating for this book... I don't know, it's kind of complicated because of stuff like that. Nothing happens on screen, but it can get next to graphic because it doesn't actually describe anything in graphic detail, but you can get a pretty clear picture. I don't know, T for teen. I don't know if that's a book rating, but (laughs) nothing really sexual in it, just murder. Murder! And careless French phrases thrown out randomly. Always. (laughs) Because he can. I have expected somebody to call him out for him, but I'm guessing no one knows French or something, or they're just like, oh, foreigners, ah ha ha ha. But there was a couple of times he said a couple of French phrases, I was like, dude, you're insulting them to their face. That's so rude. And yet, he got away with it. Ah, Frenchman, even though he's not French. Ah, the French. He's Belgian. But let's talk about some of the family secrets, because this family... They need some help, for sure. I don't even know if they need counseling. I think they just need to chuck the whole thing out the window and start over. (laughs) Extreme intervention. (laughs) But let's start with Simeon, the almost worst person in the world, (laughs) who enjoys conflict and being mean to people, and brags about how he destroys people years after they have wronged him. There was one example where they didn't even say how the dude wronged him and he was like, he wronged me and I waited 10 years and then I destroyed them. And it feels a little bit r slash nuclear revenge because for all we know, he wanted to go on a date with a girl and the dude started dating her first or something really, really petty. It's probably something really, really petty to be honest. But he waited 10 years and destroyed his life. Not a great person, but um same hand he does have that one redeeming factor where everyone's like eh, at least he's loose with his money if anyone comes to him and is like hey i want money he's like here you go okay take the money part of me is like oh that's really cool but the other part of me wonders if it's a control thing like he really gets off on the fact that he has this control over people that they have to come to him for money maybe i don't know i think there's something psychologically interesting there i don't know what it is though but he's a mess and of course his terribleness ends up being his demise as Hercule. There you go. That's easier to say by a lot. Keeps bringing up the fact that, oh, it's his character that got him killed, and you find out in the end, yeah, that's true. Dang. But moving on from his terribleness, Alfred and Lydia. I don't know. Alfred felt like a non-presence in a lot of ways. He's very a pushover. To the point where he kind of gets pushed out of the book. Yeah. Alfred? Alfred? Who? 
And I mean, his role is to be the doting son. And it's like, if you didn't have such an important role, you might have been forgettable. But Lydia is one of my favorite characters. Oh, she's great. She's awesome. Her and Hilda. Hilda's also great. Wife of the Year Award. Poor Hilda. Yeah, I felt bad for her. But their thing is his entire life, he's been doting on his father. But because he does that, his father hates him. Because apparently we learn, oh, Simeon didn't love his wife because she doted on him and was forgiving and loving and wasn't a strong personality. And I don't like the book at several points. It was like, oh, it's her fault. If she was different, he would be better to... No. Simeon is a jerk. Yep. Not his wife's fault whatsoever. You cheated with other women? Oh, you think it's her fault? No, that's not how that works, sweetheart. Yeah, it's her fault. She forgave me and was caring and loving and how dare she? That just made me want to cheat on her more. Like, what person? This person. If you wanted to be like, I want someone with a feisty personality, don't marry her. Ugh. But yeah, Alfred's the doting son and apparently is too much like the mother in that way. So Lydia hates Simeon because she sees Alfred's affections going by the wayside and Simeon is just a miserable old man. He's invalidic, so he can't do all the debauchery he used to get up to. And so he has these uncut diamonds that he runs his fingers through regularly so he can remember the good old days where he could freely cheat on his wife and hurt people and destroy their lives. Ah ha ha ha, the glory. Oh, yes. The good old times. Simeon's very close to the worst. Not gonna put him quite there, but he's close to it. And then there's David and Hilda. Like you said, Hilda's awesome, and poor Hilda, because David apparently takes the most after his mom, and he's really artsy instead of being a manly man that Simeon wanted or whatever. And he gets the invitation, and it's one of those he's cut his toxic father out of his life and never wants to see him again, and it's been 20 years. And then the invitation shows up, and the wife that doesn't completely understand the situation it's like no we should go you should reconcile with your father and then they get there and she's like oh this is why he hasn't seen you in 20 years oh you're a douche got it horrible person the dude actively makes jabs about his late wife just to get a rise out of him to the point where the son goes downstairs and plays the death march on the piano i mean yeah me too kid me too (laughs) He was one that definitely needed therapy. I think he would benefit the most from therapy. Oh, yes. And as soon as Simeon died, of course, he's extremely suspicious. Because he's like, I'm glad he's dead. I'm happy now. We're going to walk around and not even pretend to be mourning. Yeah, I can't blame him. I can't blame him either. But it's just like, this is a murder, man. Murder! Yes. But I like how we made it to the end and Hercule's like, eh, he's not a suspect. He doesn't have the will. But your wife, though, totally has the will. Everybody's like, what about David? It's like, well, have you met David? <laughs> he's too flowery a man, too weak-willed. He paints for a living, you know. There's no way. There's no way. He doesn't have the gumption. David didn't do it. George and Magdalene is where the family should be chucked out and starting over. Those are two very messed up people. He's a, what are they, in their 40s? I feel like they're about in their 40s or late 30s. I think he's especially in his 40s. He's a 40-year-old man who specifically went out of his way to marry a 22-year-old. But she's very clearly a trophy wife. Yes. And she's really clearly a gold digger. Oh, super, for sure. The first time they have a conversation that we see, the conversation is, you should stop requiring your dad to give us an allowance each month and you should just get a lump sum 
right now. Which makes her even more suspicious later on when you find out that, oh, she definitely has some affairs going on. George, divorce that woman, please. Hmm. For your own sake. I don't know. They kind of deserve each other. <laughs> George is the worst. He's such a greedy miser and he's in politics and he's like that stereotypical politician. Wonderful time. Ugh. They don't really have redeemable qualities, either of them. Magdalena goes out of her way to be like, oh, this wasn't an English murder. I bet it was that Spaniard. Hercule calls her out and he's like, are you saying she did it? No, of course not. I'm just saying it's not English. Oh, so you're saying it's South African. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't bring that up. He's like, so do you think it's South African? That would have been interesting. Well, sweetheart, there's only three nationalities here other than me. <laughs> I wasn't here, so I'm not a suspect. Do you think it's Belgian? We all know what you're implying. That would have been funny. And then there's the part where they call her out. It's like, hey, your alibi's crap. And she just goes wide-eyed and teary-eyed. He's like, George, how could you let them be mean to me? They caught me lying and called me out on it. They're bullying me. Tell them to stop. And then George falls for it like an idiot. And is like, stop bullying my wife. And then they leave and she comes back and she has these wide eyes. She's like... <gasps> I know you can trust you guys to keep my deepest, darkest secret. And I really wanted at the end, Hercule, to be like, and your wife who was hiding in the closet waiting to talk to her affair partner. <laughs> I really wanted that to come out. You know your wife, you know she's cheating on you, right? Mm. You know, right? <laughs> it's really obvious that she's a gold digger. She wanted that lump sum so she could go and spend it on her lover. Potentially whoever the serviceman was that she was living with previously? No clue. I don't know. There was some dubiousness there. That's that's George's problem. It's like, oh yeah, that was her dad. Or, oh, I wonder if that was a first husband. She married him when she got 18 because she thought she was going to come into like all this money. And then when she got divorced, she was like, no, he was just my dad. Maybe. It's fine. There's some stuff there that we have not completely delved into and I'm here for it. I want the drama. Agatha. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I know you have male detectives right now, but make them more curious about this crap. We need to read more of her other detective series with the female detective. So then we got basically the only two servants, because there's five women servants that we never talked to. Yep, they're not important, because... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it made sense why they brought it up. I don't know if you needed to name all five of them and tell us who has been there the longest. For the realism of having everyone in the house named in the police detective search stuff. That was the smallest red herring of everything in this book. Yes. It's the size of your pinky. They have names and one of them hasn't been here very long. And back to the mystery. This may be important. Probably not. Yeah, no, it's not. We'll never bring this up again. So the two actual important servants Sydney Horbury and Tresselin Horbury made my skin crawl Ooh. Who? He was the male nurse for Simeon. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he was creepy. And they keep describing him as a cat, but I kept imagining rat characteristics. Squeak, squeak. Apparently, he goes out of his way to get goes out of his way to get information to blackmail people into giving him money. Yes, not a great person. Not at all. And very thankfully, Lydia at the end is like, I never have to see them again. Hercule's like, you are correct. This is a good thing. Because it is. <laughs> but his whole thing is they think it's possible that that he stole because after the murder there's missing diamonds and so 
they think, oh, so maybe it was Corbury that stole them and he claims he went on a date at the movies, but oh, that was just a cover up and he's just nasty thief and da 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 da. And at one point, Simeon calls nearby policemen and is like, hey, come here, my diamonds have been stolen. And so the whole time they're like, oh, so I bet. Because he was like, hey, these diamonds have been stolen. Come back in like an hour and a half. They're like, oh, so clearly his suspects was a servant and one of the family members. And if it was a servant, they wanted him arrested. And if it was a family member, they wanted to sort it out. And I was like, I'm really surprised Simeon's not like, nah, arrest the family member. <laughs> Take them all down. And I mean, you come to find out, of course, that's not actually what happened. But I always thought that was weird that they were like, clearly he wants to sort out the family thing. And I was like, nah. Nah. He's a miserable old man. Why would he not want them to suffer? Yeah, he just wants them to suffer. That was the whole plan the entire time. He was like, yes, suffer. Especially when Horbury was exonerated. That was one thing that I always kept my brain open. And I'm not going to say I called the ending. At best, I had the person on my suspect list. And that makes me feel special. But that was one thing that stuck in my head. I'm like, that was really weird. And then he was like, hey, I'm calling the police. Go away and come back. I want to do my own investigation. That felt weird. Then we have Tresselin, and he's not a suspect. The worst they say about him at any point is Lydia and Alfred are like, he would totally lie to protect a family member. But he's not really given an opportunity to lie. Because every time he talks, he gives it exactly as we saw through his eyes. So there's no moment where it's like, oh, he tried to come up with an alibi for any of the family members. So I feel like that was a little bit of voice. Agreed. But Tresselin was an adorable old man. He was probably one of my favorite characters. Yes. I haven't decided on a favorite yet. I know there was a lot of ones that aren't on my favorites list. Speaking of which, Stephen Farr. That was a trip. Ah, uh, yes. The secret son. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he comes up. He's like, oh, I was friends with your business partner in South Africa. And they're like... Ebenezer Farr's son died two years ago. And he was like, oh, I was just an acquaintance. Ah, yes. And that definitely didn't hold water. He was like, I came up and I totally lied because reasons. Like, that was sketchy. <laughs> that made no sense. I totally lied because I didn't want to get immediately kicked out for being an illegitimate child. Oh, I know what it was. He said, oh, I met Pilar on the train and I saw where she was going. And I was like, oh, I can pretend to be a business partner to spend more time with her. That was honestly kind of creepy. Oh, then you've accidentally ended up here. Got it. And then, yeah, in the end, they find out, oh, ha there's a reason you look so much like Harry. I didn't write Harry down. I almost forgot about Harry. Yeah, I kept forgetting about Harry as well. And they'd be like, yeah, Harry. And I'd be like, ah, ah, the one without a wife. Yes, that one. They spent so much time focusing on how similar Harry and Stephen were. And then they didn't really give Harry any interesting plot points other than he's coming home. No, Harry didn't really have any interesting plot points. And he's never really suspicious because he was having an argument with Alfred. So the entire time you basically write them off. And at the end, he's like, ha, that would have been a great disguise. I mean, if you really wanted to push it, yeah, I could see, oh, they pretended to argue so they could kill their father. Eh, that wouldn't have been a satisfying ending, so I never bought that. So you never really think of him as a suspect, and then they're always like, oh, he's so similar. I mean, they're not always like, oh, you're so similar. There are very few things where 
Harry and Steven are similar, but they run in together in my brain. And Steven's more interesting because he has a subplot with Pilar. Yes. Which was more romance in this book than the last one we read, which was a romance. Yep. Which is sad. Figure that out. When they said they were getting married, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> yep. Good amount of romance there, for sure. They're both very weird people. But Pilar's hot. I don't think I wrote down what her real name is. So when we talk about Pilar, she was just somebody else who was in the car with Pilar. But when the bomb hit, it killed Pilar. And so she stole Pilar's luggage and decided to take on this identity. Because I guess she was this orphan woman who didn't have much place of anything. And she's like, oh, it'll be fun to steal from a rich man. But as soon as she has the opportunity, she doesn't go through with it. And so the weird thing is, out of everybody, Pilar is the most like Simeon, and she's the only one not related to him. His family's weird. And then we get to the very end, and the twist is that the policeman was actually the one who did it. And he figures it out because he buys a fake mustache, takes the portrait of Simeon when he was younger, and puts the mustache up there and is like, oh, It's the detective! Yes. And I know men look different with a mustache and without. My husband has a mustache and beard combo, which looks amazing on him. And of course, I've been with him clean shaven and you don't know he has a cleft chin or anything like that and kind of obscures his face shape because it's a little bit of a bushy beard. But if that wasn't some Superman taking the glasses off logic. I love a good Superman taking his glasses off logic. I love the jokes of Superman taking his glasses off and then putting them back on. Those are some of my favorite. No, my favorite one is when he takes the glasses off and puts it on dining room table and Lois is like, <gasps> what is that? Where did our table go? So yeah, it was actually the detective. And so I knew it from the beginning, from the very beginning. The one thing I will say I knew is when there was so much noise to the murder, I was like, even if a woman came in and was doing this, she would just need to go up behind him and slit his throat. There would be no reason for all of this heavy furniture to be moved about, you know? Yeah. And so the entire time I was like, I feel like that's an alibi. That wasn't the crime. That was the alibi. That was, hey, this happened at X o'clock. Everybody in the house knows. So clearly it couldn't have been such and such person. And at the end, it makes extreme sense who it is because it's the detective. And he supposedly left for an hour and a half. So Simeon can conduct this investigation about the hidden diamonds. But it was all a ploy because, shock and surprise, Simeon has another illegitimate child in his house. The fact that Simeon couldn't tell the familial... He's old. <laughs> what do you want from him? I guess that's true. But two illegitimate sons walk into your house on the same day and you have no clue. This sounds like a bad joke. <laughs> two illegitimate sons walk into a house at the same time. <laughs> All of them looking like Harry, apparently. <laughs> That's why he has no major plot point. He really does only exist to be like, hey, they look like him. Harry, they look like you. What? No. And so there's a lot of noise and there's an explanation. Oh, there was a wire and he cut the wire and all the furniture fell. And then there was something with a... Is it a balloon? It was something to do with like a dying pig thing? 
Oh, I don't remember what they called it, but it's essentially a whoopee cushion made out of a pig bladder. Okay, my brain wasn't making up that it was a pig bladder. Okay, good. No, yeah, it was essentially a whoopee cushion. Apparently someone was like, no, it sounded inhuman and because it was a pig bladder that's designed as a whoopee cushion to make a really loud squealing pig noise. Yeah. But apparently it pops when you do that. I think that was what they were saying. Maybe something landed on it with all the wires. But in the end, Pilar picked up a piece of rubber and the detective takes it and Hercule asks for it later and it's this random piece of rubber and wood that makes no sense. But apparently Pilar and Steven were just goofing off. With balloons because what's what you do when you're in love? You goof off with balloons. I have played through enough of those random romance apps to know that even in the most dire of circumstances, there's still time to go off to a corner to make out and play with balloons. Oh, that's not the truth. That's romance. <laughs> Escape with me into our newest dating app. <laughs> I need a life. Some of them are so terrible that they're great. For a while, everyone's favorite was the one where all the dudes were food. And they were like, what is the denotation of this? <laughs> I didn't see that one. Oh, it was weird. I have done one where it was you died and woke up in a coffin and it was undead dudes. Like vampire dudes or zombie dudes? No, no, it was like a zombie and a werewolf and a vampire and a Frankenstein's monster-esque thing. Oh, so like a supernatural. Kind of. It's like that really cool prom game we used to play, where it's all the, you can date all the monsters. Yes. But going back from trashy romance, frankly. Because <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love a good trash romance. Steven's balloon pops, and Pilar's like, oh, it's like that thing I picked up. And suddenly Hercule's like, hmm. And that somehow leads them to pig bladders. I guess it was a very common thing at the time. They said it was a fair thing, something you'd find at the fair. Yeah, and so I'm not sure if it's an English thing or if it's like a 1938 thing. No idea. But either way, that threw me for a loop a little bit. But I totally believe that was a thing. Yeah, it didn't really throw me. My brain immediately went, ah, yes, whoopee cushion. That makes sense. It made sense in the end, but... I was not culturally there. I did not think of a whoopee cushion. I was actually imagining a pig's face. It made no sense in my brain. But anyway, I didn't call it. I didn't call the ending. I, I knew the, about the alibi, like I said. But other than that, there were a couple of times where I was like, well, I can't write off the detective either. Can't write off anybody. And then it was the detective. And I was like, oh, I was actually expecting it to be. Honestly, there was at one point where I thought it was all the women. All of them together? Yeah, because Lydia was watching out the window and that was to watch and make sure someone got away. And then supposedly Hilda went into the music room with David, but really she was going upstairs to do the murder. And then Magdalene was doing something involved with something. And so I thought it was all the women at one point. That was my crazy theory. I guess Pilar was involved too, but probably not. But that was my thought. I didn't really have a crazy theory. There's always a crazy ending in these books. Yes, but I didn't really have a theory. So I take it you didn't call it then? No, I did not call it. Who was your top suspect then? Steven. Really? Yep. Because of the whole, you're the illegitimate son? No, I thought it was going to be because you mentioned early on that there was that vague, there was a man I waited 10 years and I ruined his life. And I was like, oh, what if that's the partner? And then Steven came and I was like, oh, I wonder if he's here to kill the man that ruined his father's life after working with him for 10 years or something. Yeah, and the way they start the book is Steven's like, I have a thing I must do. But that's a little hampered because later when we get Pilar, 
Pilar's like, there's a thing I must do. And apparently both of them were there to fool everyone with fake identities. It reads as a great, this is just a red herring. It's look, really obvious red herring, which makes it a great, oh yeah, actually that was the real thing. They make way too much sense as a couple. They do. So at the end of the book when Pilar is like, I'm going back with Steven to South Africa and we were getting married. I'm like, that makes sense. Good for you. The whole time Harry was like, I wish you weren't my niece. And I was like, you have no chance with her. I wish you weren't my niece. She's not. I'm so glad you're not my niece. I'm going to go marry this guy and live in South Africa. Well, darn. <laughs> Never mind then. Yeah, in the end, we kind of get resolutions like Harry and Alfred semi-patch it up. Uh, let bygones be bygones. David's, of course, ecstatic and over the moon. George gets to keep his money and his gold-digging wife. Good for George. Right? <laughs> and then Lydia goes back to making her little Dead Sea plantarama thingy. Those are cool. I mean, she had a bunch. I thought that was a cool hobby, making the tiny little gardens. And they, of course, fire Horbury. Of course. It's a happy ending for all. And I actually did kind of like the ending, because you get introduced to Hercule, and he's with this random officer. And officer's like, don't you love a log fire? And he's like, I much prefer central heating. And at the end, the dude's like, you can't beat a log fire. And he's like, still wish for central heating. <laughs> I felt that. As someone who gets cold very easily. You do get cold very easily. Overall, though, it was a really good book. It's so weird going from modern books and the structure of them to an Agatha Christie book because it's always parts. And then there are Roman numerals randomly where she switches to a different person and you're following them for a little while and it can be as long as 20 pages or as short as one or not 20 pages but you get the point so it's always crazy to jump around from that structure but i really like it it, she always does such a good job with it. It feels like she just gives you just enough. Here's a piece. Here's another piece. Here's another piece. I gave you all the pieces of the puzzle. I don't know why you couldn't figure it out. <laughs> like, I didn't give them to you in the right order, but I gave you all the pieces. <laughs> right? I had no idea why he bought a fake mustache. Have you read The Murder of Roger Ackroy yet? No, I haven't. I've been trying to read these. <laughs> you need to. I'm a slow reader. You gotta read The Murder of Roger Ackroy. <laughs> that one's the best who done it, in my opinion. I feel like you're gonna say that and then I'm gonna go in and I don't know, I'm gonna call it and then you're gonna be so pissed at me. I'm like, hey, it was okay. And you're like, are you kidding me? I will be pissed if you call it. <laughs> I will be very pissed if you call it, which would make a great episode. But I knew that the loud things were the alibi. I never caught when they were like, oh, he made the same gesture where he laughs with his head throwing back with the, the detective. I did think there was some sort of connection between the fake mustache that he bought and the detective, just because Hercule made such a big deal about it. How do you get your mustache to be so nice? He's like, it just grows. And then Hercule's really pissed off. Oh, you're blessed. He's like one of those people where it's like, oh, how do you get your hair to look like? It's like, oh, I woke up like this. It's like, I hate you. You suck and your whole family sucks and just go away. <laughs> like, what did I do to you? It's like, you're too perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's our version of you're too perfect. I hate you. I guess we all have a little bit of pettiness. 
<laughs> but I thought it was gonna be, oh, detective, you have a fake mustache, or that Hercule was gonna put on a costume or something. I don't know. I didn't call what he was gonna do with it. I need to put this fake mustache over my mustache for no particular reason. Or maybe it was gonna come out Hercule's mustache was actually fake and so he wanted a different model that was more like the detective. I didn't know what was happening with that. He's too prideful about his mustache for it to be fake. Yeah. Beside the alibi thing, I don't think I called anything. Like I didn't call, it was Pilar in the little loft thing. I knew the phone alibi wasn't gonna work out, but that was a given. Yep. I just didn't call anything. I don't know. I knew when the cannonball went missing, I was like, oh, someone's gonna die. Almost always. Once again, I feel like that wasn't obvious. If you've read anything Agatha Christie, somebody always gets something on their head. It's a favorite. But I did not call the, oh, it's the water bucket over the door trick, but actually <laughs> it's murder. It's the water bucket over the door trick, except cannonball. And death. And blood. She got saved by a freaking nail. What was that? Luck. Plot. Although I did think when Steven was there, I was half convinced it was him. There was a moment of, oh crap, has Steven been trying to kill her this whole time? What is happening? Fatal attraction. That would have made sense, honestly. That dude. What did I say? Both of them. Overall, it was a really good book. It was a satisfying read. I ended up not taking that many notes because I was just so interested in reading the book. I didn't want to sit down and write about it. I just wanted to read it. I needed to know. It got to a point where I spend my weekends with my husband because we're kind of split living for long story. But it's been like most of my Saturday one day. I'm like, I need to read this book. But he was fine with. He's an introvert. He's like, cool. I'm going to go do my thing. No, you said I'm going to read this book. And he went, cool. I'm going to go read this book. <laughs> That's what James does. That or play Fallout. I think it was Fallout. Called it. Oh my goodness, I do. He'd been moving around. He'd done a bunch of different ones recently. But yeah, he went back to Fallout recently. Anyway, I enjoyed it. I always thought Hercule was a little full of himself. And this continues the trend. Hercule's always a little full of himself. That's his character. He is full of himself. I think the weird thing about the movies is they always make him a little bit humbler? No, he's full of himself. You guys got it wrong. He's so full of himself. I think it's to make him more appealing to the audience. I'm thinking about the murder on Orient Express movie, which I really enjoyed. There were a couple of things they changed, but it was to change for movie stuff. So maybe we'll do that as a bonus episode one time. But they always make him a little bit more humble. And I think it's because you don't get to hear how cool Hercule feels about himself and he isn't throwing around as much gratuitous French so that he may insult people to their faces. He does like throwing around random French. Like Lady Gaga in her early years. Like the time with the balloons. And of course, that was a really weird scene. But he comes up and he's like, oh, cool. You guys play like infants. There's a couple other ones. That one really stuck out to me. I was like, dang, that was a little on the nose, man. <laughs> and I was surprised that PR didn't call him out. But no one calls him out. He's just allowed to do that because he's a cool guy. And he's very popular, as you know. But he's really entertaining. I think that makes him pretty cool. Also, at the end, exactly how it should be. When there's any type of these detective things, you get everybody in the room and then you tell them all their business. Always how that should be done. Yeah, except Poirot usually likes to be like, well, it could be these two people because of these reasons and they get offended. And he's like, but I'm just laying out the different scenarios. And it could be these two people because of these two reasons and they get really offended. And he's like, I'm just laying out the different scenarios. And he goes down through the list until he's finally like, but... What it actually was is this. 
Actually, now that you mention it, there was a significant lacking of being offended. There was a couple of people who were like, but wait, this logical point. And I think George got offended because he gets offended at everything. But other than that, there were a lot of people really chill with being accused of murder. I am a little surprised they didn't put a little bit more Christmas into the book. Because this happens December 22nd to December 27th. And I think the murder happens the 24th, so Christmas Eve. And then all the interviews are done that night, and then they investigate the 25th, and on the 26th, Alfred hires Hercule, which is probably for the best, because now I'm wondering if he would have gotten as involved if the police officer had asked him to. Because as soon as Alfred was like, hey, I want to hire you, he's like, are you sure you want to hire me? And then he asked Lydia, he's like, are you sure you want to hire me? You can't just turn me off. And they're like, no, please go do the thing. Feel free to keep going. You're good. So it's probably a really good thing that that happened. <laughs> now that I think about it, another reason Harry wasn't suspicious is immediately they were like, how do you feel about all this? He's like, I want you to catch the murderer and go after them to the extent of the law. And I felt like the moment from Joe and the office where she's like, my mom was a prison guard. And when someone did something, she would ask everybody, what should we do with them once we find them? If they were like, hang them, get them in trouble, all of this stuff is like, ah, you're innocent. But if they were like, hey, man, maybe we should let them go. They'd be like, ha you're guilty. And so I guess that reverse psychology is like, I don't feel like Harry's guilty. At no point do I feel like Harry's guilty. Harry, you're useless. He really is just there to be pretty so we can be like, hey, those two men look like you. So what were your general thoughts? I liked it. It's got a good amount of, well, it could be this person. Well, well, but it, but it could be this person. But it could be this person. There's no solid point anywhere where you're like, it's obviously this person. Yeah. And especially at the end where he's like, hey, all of you have the potential. And like I mentioned, even the really weak one where it's like Alfred and Harry could have been working together. I mean, they could. Yeah, except not, though. I mean, they weren't. And like I said, I don't think that would have been a satisfying ending unless they really pulled it out. Now that I think about it, they never give a good reason why the detective did it. And I mean, they're like, oh, you're his illegitimate son and he paid your mom off so she could go find a husband. Murder! <laughs> there was a leap there and all you really get from him is like, I, and I would do it again. You get this feeling that nobody even really knew him, so... I don't know, it was all premeditated. So he literally came, met the dude, and was like, I'm going to kill you now. And then left. Yep. Oh, well, sometimes it's about the destination and not about the journey. Wait, reverse that. It's the journey, not the destination. The man died. That's all that matters. I know cliche phrases, but what would be your one question for the author? I don't really have one. There's nothing you want to ask the great Agatha Christie from the grave. There's nothing I want to ask her, no. I want to know some more of his writing process. I'm really curious how she came up with some of the characters. In that, does she seek a role to fill? Or does she make these characters and these motivations and then find a role for them? Or both? Because, like I said, Harry fills a role. Alfred fills a role. A lot of them fill really good roles. So I don't know. That would be really interesting to know more about these characters. Also, I would like to know... Which of these would be her favorite that she wrote? Because as an author, I don't believe you can't not pick favorites when you work on a book for very long. And a book takes forever. So I want to know her favorite character. We both understand that now because you're 50,000 words in and I'm still only like 5,000 words into mine. But there you go. There's two questions. I've got two. One for each of us. Thanks. 
overall, I'd give this a surprise Christmas gift out of 10. I wasn't expecting to have it this year, but I really enjoyed it and I'm happy it happened. By sheer happenstance of this person on the internet being like, hey, this is a Christmas related book. It is now in my life. Thank you. It's a diehard of Christmas books. Oh my goodness. It actually happened over Christmas. <laughs> so there you go. Random internet person. I was mad at you before, but this makes up for it. I'd give it a well-made Yule log out of a warm fire after playing in the snow. I've never had a Yule log or had any experience with one. I realized after reading this, I feel like that's like a Christmas thing where they're like, Yule logs. Yeah. But that sounds really nice. <laughs> You know, warm and cozy. One day I'll have to have a Yule log. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You can keep up to date with us by checking us out on Twitter or Instagram. And you can help support our podcast by checking us out on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can get access to our bonus episodes, where we look at the movie adaptations to some of your favorite books. This month, we're checking out a Christmas classic, Skipping Christmas. And it's even more famous movie, Christmas with the Cranks. Join us next time when we'll be going through... Hugo Chara, I just butchered that horribly. Not saying that again. Books one through three. Shugo Chara, volume one through three. It's a new year present. New year, new us. Manga. Let's go. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Lizzie Sawyer. And we hope to see you in a frontier next time.